Blog Talk Radio.
Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after these messages on Evolution Radio. There is no mystery God. Absolutely no mystery God. There is no God in the sky and there is no devil under the ground. Heaven is not in the sky and hell is not under the ground. Heaven and hell are conditions of the mind, states of existence, and states of being. So Jesus told us to stop looking for heaven in the sky. He said the kingdom of heaven is within you. And that we are the temples of the living God. That the living God lives in our temple and he does not inhabit the sky, but he inhabits the higher realms of the heavens, of the realm of the secret innermost chamber of the subconscious chamber of the soul of man and woman. And this power bursts forth and emanates forth from him to set in motion a universal order based on principle and law. All of this set in motion by a divine power and a divine force that never dies. It's constant. It just changes forms. God is in man. Can't be in any man. He's got to be in the original man. Because if God is the first and everything comes from him, then he can't wait for anything else. He brings everything else into existence. There could be no white man if there were no black man. It is biologically and genetically impossible for the recessive white man to produce the dominant yellow baby. Biologically and genetically impossible for the recessive yellow man and woman to produce the dominant brown baby. Biologically and genetically impossible for the recessive brown man and woman to produce the dominant black baby. But that black man and his woman, the father and the mother of it all, can produce black, can produce brown, can produce red, can produce yellow. And if the seed runs wild or mutates, in the womb of the black woman can even produce an albino, something which is whiter than white, 180 degrees in either direction. Don't even think about changing the station. You're listening to The Bottom Line with your host, Joey L. So it's not selfish to put yourself first. No, it's self-full. It's self-full. It's self-full to be first, to be as good as possible to you, to take care of you, to keep you whole and healthy. That doesn't mean that you disregard everything and everyone, but you want to come with your cup full, you know? My cup runneth over. What comes out of the cup is for y'all. What's in the cup is mine, but I got to keep my cup full. Don't we do that? Don't we take on other people's stuff and make it about us when we don't know that we matter? When you don't know you matter, you will make somebody else's crazy about you. You got your own stuff to handle. You don't have to take on anybody else. You know, there isn't a person you can ask in the world at some point where they didn't say, you know, I just find it difficult to trust people. Right. But what you say, that's not really the issue. Learning to trust other people. The real issue is trusting yourself. 
trusting yourself that you're going to make the right choices, trusting yourself that you can hear that voice and follow it, trusting yourself that when people betray you, abandon you, don't acknowledge you, whatever, you will... I'll be okay. Yeah. I'll be okay. What about boundaries? People violate you when you don't have clear boundaries because you don't tell them how to behave in your life. And they run amok. They run amok because you don't have clear boundaries. You know, a lot of people hold secrets about themselves from their family. Guilt and shame, guilt and shame. And teaching people how to be people, love people, and respect people enough to tell them the truth. Okay, okay. Tell them the truth. Okay. Here's a big story I wish everybody... I'm just a single mom and I can't... Don't, that story is not helping you. That may be a reality. Here's the, here's the principle. State the facts, speak the truth. Here's the fact. I'm raising children without the benefit of a partner. That's the, that's the fact. Here's the truth. Right where I am, the fullness of God is, and me and God is a majority. Most of us have a death urge. And we see the guy coming, warning, slap, right in the middle of his head. And we said, oh, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to change it. I'm going to reshape it. And we got to understand, love <laughs> doesn't have to fix you, change it. When you see crazy coming, cross the street. <laughs> <laughs> cross the street. Hi, YouTubers. I'm excited to give you an update about... Only two things can get you through this, man. That's patience and persistence. We all aspire. We all have the same emotions. You know, no matter who you are, where you're from, we all have the same emotions. You know, we all want to be successful. You know, we all have the same fears of failure. We all have, you know, uh, you know, this uh, feelings of abandonment. We all, you know, want love have uh, such a strong belief in yourself that you can quiet out all the outside noise because that's, you're going to need that on every step of the way. There are people that, that are projecting their fears and their um, shortcomings and failures on you and you have to be very careful you know, with that. People telling you can't do that. Why can't I? because they may have tried or they don't believe that they can do it. And it's not really about you. It's about what they feel and their uh, fear inside. So you have to be strong enough and resilient to believe in whatever it is you're trying to do. My uncle, he was telling me, like, I'm never going to... My uncle said I never sold a million records. I sold a million records like a million times. Are you crazy? How are you going to do that? How? You know, I'm sure there's things that I do now that he, he can't believe that I was able to accomplish. He couldn't even see it at the time. Mm. So he was just projecting from his fears on me. Lock my body, can't trap my mind. Easily explain why we adapt to crime. I'd rather die enormous than live dormant. That's how we own it. And you got to understand the reason, right? Why does that guy think like that? Right? How do, how do you arrive at that point? You got to also look at that. You have to look at that. You got to look at the environments and places we live in and how things are set up and how things are structured and how we're always the last on the totem pole, even from our schooling to our roads to, you know, everything that, we, that 
all the obstacles that's placed in front of us. Even our living conditions. You live in a project. Someone lives here, 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 and here. You know, you have to deal with all these different type of personalities. You have, you're in the box. Someone's above you, below you, to the right of you, and to the left of you. And every day you have to manage that circle. So, living, that's like living dormant. Life is about balance, right? You have to have some type of balance. You have like time for work and it's time for play. And if you don't allow these two things to coexist, you have an imbalance. People look at you strange saying you changed, like you worked that hard to stay the same. Like you're doing all this for a reason. And what happens most of the time, people change. People change around you because they start treating you different because of your success. So you are changing. You don't change who you are, the core of who you are, the things you believe, the things you love, and the things you die for, and your principles. You don't change that, but you're going to change who you are. You're going to change. You know, you can't do the same things. You, you can't hang on the corner. Be true to yourself. You know, it sounds like a, a very simple thing to do, but it's not. It's not simple to do with all the pressures to succeed and all the pressures to, once you succeed, to stay there. You have a belief in yourself, and, some, and sometimes, in most cases, it's a naivete about who you are and what you can contribute to, um, to the game. Belief in oneself and knowing who you are, I mean, that's the foundation of everything great. Everything is for your greatest good, no matter how difficult it seems at the time. Everything is for your greatest good. It's just clearing you out so you can receive your blessings. Even a tough time, even a tough time is, a, is, is used for us to grow, for us to go through things. So when, when the good times come, we really appreciate it. But you gotta just believe everything is for your greatest good. Anything you want in life, you just gotta set your attention. When you set your we that powerful, with wall, every single person in here, with that powerful as you being, if you set your attention and you believe that shit with your whole soul, 100 percent is gonna happen for you. I promise you that. And I'm not saying that because I'm ready to book, I'm saying that because I'm standing on the stage tonight. I'm from the bottom, I'm from the mud, I'm from Marquee Project, I'm from Beverly Stuyvesant, from Brooklyn, New York City. And I'm on the stage here tonight doing what I love to do in front of all those beautiful people. That's what I set my attention. On my first album, I was saying, who's the best to please? I was telling you, I was coming. It's the adventure trip to Platinum, nigga, when you find your own face, I said that. Visit MakeMoreCommerce.com for more remedies with Joey L, where remedy meets preparation.
This is our land. So beginning with that premise, whether you're more or not more, I'm going to start with what law really is. Most of us think that we go into a courtroom and understand the difference between a court and a courtroom, that uh, the people who purport to use law really use words of art to make you believe, in fact, that law is Uh, on the table when you walk into a courthouse or a courtroom, when in fact that's not true. And I would like to share with you tonight, regardless of your religious persuasion, what law really is. Law, and as Muslims would say, all law, is A-L-L space L-A-W, all law, all law. So for anyone who's of a Christian persuasion, don't be misled and when you hear the term all law, all law is God, all right, that is also what we would say in lawful terms a misnomer. All law is not God. God has no capacity and no standing to all law because God means governmental ordinance departments. There is no comparison. Now, who can use law? Law can only be used by people who are in their sovereign capacity. And I was, as I will share with you tonight, the majority of the people in the world, and I'm not going to get into all of the details about that, but the majority of the people in the world, 99% of them live in slavery today. So in 1863, via the Emancipation Proclamation, 
and I challenge you to go look in a law dictionary and look up the definition of emancipation and proclamation, and you will see that a proclamation is not a law. A proclamation is a public announcement by elected officials. It is not a law. So the Emancipation Proclamation of 1863 did not set any slaves free. What it did was standardize slavery, the United States being the model for the standardization of slavery that all of the other nations around the world, as they reduced their people from their sovereign capacity and forced them to join nation states, then they were able to issue statute, codes, ordinances, resolutions on them. And a statute, as in a state statute of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, is not a law. It is corporate policy of the corporation that calls itself the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania Incorporated. All right? Now, a code is not a law. The United States codes the code of the laws of the United States of America that are used in federal court and the Supreme Court are not law. They are what they say they are. They are codes, ordinances, and resolutions of a municipality of the city of Philadelphia, which is a private, nonprofit corporation that calls itself the city of Philadelphia, an ordinance and a resolution, as in parking ordinances, they are not law. They are what they say they are. They are ordinances and they are resolutions. All right? And the reason they are not law is because the only people who can issue law are people who are acting in their sovereign capacity. And the people who sit in these seats as elected officials are not, in fact, in their sovereign capacity. They are in a corporate ward status, meaning that they are wards of the state. They are members of the corporation, which is a nonprofit that calls itself the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And as long as they have a birth certificate on record with the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, with that birth certificate being a contract, a birth certificate is a contract, and as long as you have a contract with the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania Incorporated, you belong to them, and that's what slavery really is. All right? So who can use law? If you are a member of a corporate ward state, if you are a member of a corporate ward nation that calls itself the United States of America, you are a citizen. Look in the law dictionary and look up the definition of citizen. A citizen is not a sovereign. A resident is not a sovereign. Therefore, if you use an address, which is a fictitious number associated with a designation issued by a corporate ward, right? Then you become under the jurisdiction of those people who are also corporate wards but who are also slaveholders, all right? So if you are operating in that capacity, law does not apply to you. If you are a resident of the city of Philadelphia, which is a private, nonprofit corporation, and you say you are a resident of the city of Philadelphia, then the ordinances and the resolutions of that private, nonprofit corporation apply to you. If you are a citizen of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania Incorporated, which is a private, nonprofit corporation, then the statutes of that nonprofit corporation apply to you. 
if you are a citizen of the United States of America, which is a private, nonprofit corporation, then the code of the laws, right, apply to you. But if you are a sovereign of the Moorish Empire, those ordinances, those resolutions, those codes, those statutes do not apply to you because you are not a member of the corporate ward state. It's as simple as that. And they understand the difference. This is why on their documents they use words of art. They use the word label. They use the word person. They use the word address. All of these things that place you in their jurisdiction and you unknowingly fill out forms every day. And every time you fill out a form, you enter into a contract. I don't care what kind of form it is. It's a contract. A driver's license application is a contract. A social security application is a contract. When you call up the telephone company and you make a verbal contract over the telephone, this is why they can bill you. When you sign a deed, it is a contract. When you fill out a voter registration form, it is a contract. Does everybody understand that? Don't ever think. Every, anything that you put your signature on becomes a contract. All right? Now, the fact that you are not in your sovereign status means that you make a contract as a minor. They don't care. They know you are a minor because and, and to be other than a minor, you have to be in your proper person at law. And how we write that is this. Can I have a can you bear with me for a minute and let me put this on because uh, I can't. Can y'all see that? Impropria persona. Impropria persona. When you are in your corporate ward status, you look like this to the court. Pro se. Pro se meaning they get you in the court and they bring someone in called a got that? Pro se cuter, a prosecutor, because you're in a corporate board status. Now, if you're in appropriate persona, say in their criminal allegations, the prosecutor cannot come into the courtroom and say anything to you because you're not in pro se status. Makes sense, right? The issues of law, the issues of law are threefold. The issues of law are status, jurisdiction, and adjudication. The first thing that happens when you walk into a courtroom in your corporate ward status is that they already make the assumption that you are a ward of the state and that you don't know any better. So they immediately start adjudicating you. As the first thing that happens when we walk into a courtroom is that we place our status on the record 
on the record. We come in with our flag. We come in with our treaty. We come in with the Constitution. We sign with them. And understanding that the Constitution is a contract. You misunderstand the procedure. I will attempt Objection. to explain it to you. Objection. The documents that you want are not documents that are in the court's file at this point in time. Objection, I don't know if they would ever be in the court's file at this point in time. That's, your not, position that's is, not my problem, ma'am. Absolutely, it's your problem. But it, no, that's your not position my is that you want them from the prosecutor and you have requested them from the prosecutor, That's right. and the prosecutor has failed to give them to you, That's right. you can make the appropriate application to the court, and you can say to the court, I've asked for them, I'm entitled to them, I haven't gotten them, order them to give it to me. I've already I have filed no a notarized affidavit of fact in reference to return of property weeks ago. A notarized affidavit. So if you're telling me you don't have to acknowledge Acknowledged affidavits. All right, that's what your statement is. However, bottom line is this court has failed to prove jurisdiction and has avoided the uh, issue of jurisdiction at all costs. And you don't. Nobody in here has the status. All right, nobody has proven status, and nobody in here has the authority to proceed. Now, the last hearing we discussed, you stated that you this matter, this matter. You stated, ma'am, for the record, you stated that this matter was relative to jurisdiction, not Mr. Keesler's position here and not anything else. You stated that you were giving the prosecution a chance to prove jurisdiction. And he's not even the assigned prosecutor to the case, but obviously he's remaining silent and he has nothing to state. So I move that this case be dismissed. When there is an appropriate application before this court, to address the issue of discovery violations, jurisdiction, or anything else, the court will act. Filing a notarized or not notarized affidavit is not an appropriate way to bring a matter before the attention of the court. What you must file is a notice of motion that sets forth the relief that you want, and it needs to be supported with a certification, an affidavit, whatever it is. Can you repeat that, ma'am? Notice of motion. This is that, exactly that, what I told Cheyenne Matoda Kushamir L. Uh, for the record, ma'am, which, uh, which rule, authority, courtroom rule, uh, statute are you using it's in the to, court rules. I do to not address recall, that, ma'am? It is in the court rules. I do not recall, and I'm not going to look up for you, the exact court rule. But the court will set out the procedure that you must follow. Objection, ma'am. I'm, I'm not a party of society. I'm not subject to your courtroom rules, and you have not proven jurisdiction. And now, I will never address the issue of jurisdiction until and unless the appropriate application is made before the court, because filing either an affidavit that's notarized or an affidavit that's not notarized does not bring it before the attention of this court. Objection. There is no discretion to ignore the lack of jurisdiction. Swiss versus United States.
Jurisdiction is fundamental, and a judgment rendered by a court that does not have jurisdiction in here is void ab initio, and that is uh, application of Y300P.132 versus caveat. Once jurisdiction is challenged, the court cannot proceed when it clearly appears the court lacks jurisdiction. The court has no authority to reach merits, but rather should dismiss the action. Malo versus United States 505F2D. When jurisdiction is challenged, the party invoked jurisdiction has the burden of establishing a basso versus U.S. power like, like company. Courts enforcing their statutes do not act judicially but merely ministerially. Thus, no judicial immunity and unlike courts of law do not obtain jurisdiction by service of process nor even arrest and compelled appearance. I'm here by way of threat, arrest, coercion. I'm going to make that clear for the record every time I have to appear here, if I have to appear here. The only reason I'm appearing here is by way of your threat, arrest, coercion or your company's threat, arrest, coercion. You can read me, let me interrupt you please. You can okay. read me this until the cows come home. You can read it ad nauseum and ad infinitum. It doesn't change the fact that until the issue is brought appropriately before this court, no ruling with regard to jurisdiction is ever going to be made. Now let me ask you this question though. In the other matter, oh, first of all, let me, let me backtrack a little bit. Um, in, in the, uh, let me get the correct number out here because we now have two numbers. In the case with indictment number 08-04-0441, which is the one in which Cheyenne M. Kushimirel is also involved, I have severed those matters. So they will be on completely separate tracks. But uh, he told me that he had filed a notice of removal to the federal court. And my question to you is, have you filed a notice of removal to federal court with regard to any of these matters? Yes, ma'am. Notice of removal has been them? filed all of them? regarding all, all the matters. Three, the three matters? Yes, the three okay. matters that uh, you uh, May I ask you, please, you tell me, when did you file this? It was filed last night, FedEx. To the federal FedEx, court? To the federal court. All right. Yes. Uh, uh, as I am sure you are aware, if the court accepts them, then we will simply transfer them to the federal court. We won't deal with them anymore. Okay. Well, I'm still sure you're aware of the matter that you've not proven jurisdiction in either of the hearings and that you've avoided addressing the issue of jurisdiction. And I will continue to not address the issue of jurisdiction until the appropriate motion is filed with the court and the court has the ability to address it and make a determination with regard to it. And, and Judge, if I could just for a moment, that, that's the issue at hand. As currently stands, we are representing... Objection. <laughs> You're not representing me. Therefore, it would be our responsibility to file that motion. Given the fact that you will not cooperate with our office, it's impossible for us to do that. Objection. You really need to well, reach the issue. I, do, I, I, I want to get back to what Mr. Uh, I, I do want to get back to what Amir... KCL said. Now, we addressed the issue to some extent with regard to the indictments. I have here for you, and the record will reflect, that I am giving you a copy of the indictment that has 08-07-0727 and also 08-04-0441. Objection. Uh, just for the record, the Office of Public Defense is not representing me. We don't have any power of attorney. 
for me, and uh, I'm not part of your society, so you cannot represent me, and we do not share nationalities. Okay, now, for the record, Mr. Uh, I need the nationality of every agent in here, and I need the name and the information because I'm suing everybody. Mr. Kramer. Everybody. So I need everybody's names and your position, Excuse starting me. with you, Excuse sir. Me. Who is calling out from the audience? I was, ma'am. No, you were not. Um, Who was, no, do not hand anything over. Nothing. In the audience, please do not call out while court is in session or the officer will ask you to leave. Listening to Evolution Radio. Visit MakeMoreCommerce.com for more remedies with Joey L. Where remedy meets preparation. Just the symbol of Jesus. Well, hello, symbol. And goodbye. JJ painted him. Don't think of me, Michael. I had him in the closet where he wasn't performing no miracles for nobody. <laughs> Forget it. The only Jesus I know is him, and the one thing he don't need is a partner. Because <laughs> you both of you. This picture has been in my family for as long as I can remember. When I was a baby, I don't know what I saw first. My mama, my papa, or this Jesus. Now, he's the one I know and love, so let's close the subject. Jesus was black. The Bible would have said so. But it does say so. What are you talking about? Uh, I read about it. Um, it's in Revelation chapter 1, verse 14. It says, um, oh, his hair is like wool, and his eyes are like flame of fire. Oh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> this show do say that, don't it? And see, Mama, look at that hair, like wool, ain't it? And look at them eyes. How do we know Jesus wasn't black? He could have been from the lost tribe of Israel. They were supposed to be black. I bet they were. If ever people were lost, we're it. <laughs> if ever people were lost, we're it. <laughs> There's uh, three guys marching, and one of them is born of fruit, and the other one is carrying the flag. You mean the spirit of 76? That's it. Guess who was playing the drums? Buford? Buford. I've seen that picture a thousand times, and all three of them dudes is white. So what? I make that you see pictures of Jesus, and he's white. <laughs> well, what about him? That's wrong, too. Because <laughs> you can't hang around Jerusalem no 30-some years and don't wear no hat and stay white. Verse 10. Are there any questions? Hey, watch it, baby. I can see this has become a struggle between good and evil. Satan has a question. <laughs> yes, sir, Chaplain Gill, but since neither one of us are God, I don't think either one of us are in any position to say who's good and who's evil. Why don't you just ask your question? We were discussing the disciples. What color were they? Well, I don't think we know that for certain. But they were Hebrews, were they not? That's right. As was Jesus. Jesus was also a Hebrew. Why don't you just ask your question? What color were the original Hebrews? I have told you that we don't know that for certain. Then you can't believe for certain that Jesus was white. 
Just, uh, just a moment, just a moment. God is white. Isn't it obvious? Well, that is obvious, but we don't know if it's obvious that God is white. It's just that the images of Jesus that are on prison walls and churches throughout the world are not historically correct. Because history teaches us that Jesus was born in a region where the people had color. There's proof in the very Bible that you ask us to read in Revelations, first chapter, verse 14 and 15, that Jesus had hair like wool and feet the color of breath. Just, just what are you saying? I'm not saying anything. I'm proving to you that Jesus was not, and I might quote one of our Indian brothers, he was not a pale thing. Aha. Amen. Isn't that interesting? How do we know Jesus wasn't black? He could have been from the lost tribe of Israel. They were supposed to be black. I bet they were. If ever people were lost, we're it. <laughs> Brother Ryan, now you know the Lord sent me out to win over his devil and his evil. On the line, you get that black nigger out here. By the lost tribe of Israel, nigger! of Israel were black. The lost tribes of Israel were black. There is a third way. By sailing west across the ocean sea. The distance is unknown. It's said to be infinite. I believe the Indies are no more than 750 leagues west of the Canary Islands. Can't you be so certain? The calculations of Toscanelli, Maradotti, Edward, Estras, is a two. So what's west? Two minutes, and already you're a bad man. For telling the truth? Yes. Can't you be so certain? The calculations of Toscanelli, Maradotti, Edward, Estras, is a two. So what's worse? Two minutes, and already you're a bad man. For telling the truth. Well, this here's my, my new bronc buster. This is my daughter, Catherine. Shalom Aleikum, Jackson Two Bears. Mr. Ballou, what's the use of saying Shalom Aleikum to me? I'm a full Sioux Indian. I'm not one of the chosen people. All right, go ahead being stubborn if you want. Well, I ain't stubborn. Oh, not much you ain't. You know, according to an ex-congressman of these United States, I heard give a lecture at the Chautauqua this winter. Injuns is the lost tribe of Israel, but he won't admit it. Just ain't true. He was an ex-congressman of these United States, I tell you. Well, Papa, maybe he was mistaken. Oh, no, he was not. Jackson just got a mean, stubborn streak in him is all. I brought Mr. Bernstein, the telegraph operator, out here from town last month. And he stood right where you're standing now, and he talked Hebrew at Jackson for ten minutes by my watch, and Jackson pretended he didn't understand a word. Now, I call that stubborn. Well, I didn't understand the word. You see what I mean? Now, you get that truck down out of there. I'll get the satchel. 
You know, according to an ex-congressman of these United States, I heard give a lecture at the Chautauqua this winter. Injuns is the lost tribe of Israel, but he won't admit it. Wait a minute. Look at it. Have you eyes but see not? Which would come in handy if you're looking at Esther. See, this is our family crest, son, right here. And look, look at that crown. I am a king. There it is right there. I've been right all along. See, that's the crown, and right there, that's Ethiopia. That's where my family came from. And right here, see, that's black and white hand intermingled. Whatever that means. <laughs> and here, here's a shield showing. Keep it locked. You're tuned in to the hottest radio network on the planet. The new Evolution Radio Network. to be a perfect human world where none suffered, where everyone would be happy. It was a disaster. No one would accept the program. Entire crops were lost. Some believed that we lacked the programming language to describe your perfect world, but I believe that as a species, human beings define their reality through misery and suffering. The perfect world was a dream that your primitive cerebrum kept trying to wake up from. Which is why the Matrix was redesigned to this, the peak of your civilization. And I say your civilization because as soon as we started thinking for you, it really became our civilization, which is, of course, what this is all about. Evolution, Morpheus evolution like the dinosaur look out that window you've had your time the future is our world Morpheus the future is our time I'd like to share a revelation that I've had during my time here it came to me when I tried to classify your species I realized that you're not actually mammals. Every mammal on this planet instinctively develops a natural equilibrium with the surrounding environment, but you humans do not. You move to an area and you multiply and multiply until every natural resource is consumed. And the only way you can survive is to spread to another area. There is another organism on this planet that follows the same pattern. Do you know what it is? A virus. Human beings are a disease. A cancer of this planet. You are a plague. And we are the cure. Can you hear me, Morpheus? I'm going to be honest with you. I hate this place. 
this zoo, this prison, this reality, whatever you want to call it, I can't stand it any longer. It's the smell. If there is such a thing, I feel saturated by it. I can taste your stink. Every time I do, I fear that I have somehow been infected by it. It's repulsive, isn't it? I must get out of here. I must get free. And in this mind is the key. My that's awake and there's people asleep mm-hmm. now most people on this planet are asleep so let's break it to the least common anomaly let's say the black community mm-hmm. we it used to they say five percent <laughs> no it's like old point something now that's right you see that's asleep so you're going to be lonely because the simple fact that people are asleep. Now, how is this? You have a chakra system in your body, and these are nine wheels of consciousness. Most, uh, excuse me, seven wheels of consciousness. There's like 160 chakras, but seven major chakras, just like there's seven African powers. Now, what has happened here to give you a scientific element of what's going on so you can clear this up so you don't have to go and be trying to holler at somebody, and they laugh at you, and they don't want to hear that shit. Because your family will beat you down, and niggas in the street will beat you down. You're going to try to give them a message. Now, <laughs> have you around here crazy. Now, the chakra system, the lowest chakra is your sacral vertebrae. That's your root chakra. And that's where the majority of the people's um, consciousness is, on the root chakra. So the only thing that they can get down with is desires. What feels good what tastes good, what smells good, what looks good, what sounds good. Yes. You see, the, Lord the basic sen- uh, senses, you see, on that particular level, they are called the automatons, which means automation. Okay. They moving, but they ain't, they're brain dead. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Now, you don't even get into this particular consciousness that you can partake to understand what things is until you're radiating from the heart chakra mm-hmm. you see the heart chakra that's why the Egyptian the heart the scarab the heart scarab was the most important even when you died they throw the brain away but it was the heart that they preserved because that's another that's where your true self is but you got to radiate from the heart chakra and then you elevate on into the pineal gland but most people's consciousness is in the root chakra on the five senses, the animal level. And they can look pretty, they can have a PhD with a degree. They tell you it's only a degree of information. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a degree of information, it has nothing to do with a person's behavior, mm. whether they're conscious or not. You see, it has nothing to do with what a person wears. It has something to do is where they incarnated down here on a certain level and they are radiating above 
the root shock. And I guarantee you this right now. Even if some of you all just coming into consciousness the last couple of weeks or the last year, I guarantee you, you always felt special since you was a baby. Now, I've been asking that question in my lectures around the country for, 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 for 16 years. And I ask everybody, how many of you all always thought that you were special? And the whole room always raised their hands. You didn't know what it was. You see what I'm saying? But you thought it was special. And you always had a thirst for something that you didn't know what it was. And it was this smiling. Let me give you an example. When I was, on, when I was in college, I was standing up one time. I had finished school. And I was standing um, on the college campus with one of the coaches. We got to be good friends, one of the basketball coaches, Coach Holmes. And he said, well, how do you, how do you feel, man? You, you've edu- you educated yourself. I said, man, I don't feel shit. <laughs> I didn't know at the time. I said, I told him, I said, I thought when I came here to this university that when I left, I was going to have some kind of knowledge. I didn't know what the knowledge was. All I know is what I went, I went through for four years. I didn't have shit. I, I, I knew I felt empty. Now it was it was you know it was a couple of years later that what I was missing I realized was knowledge. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But I, I but but I knew something was wrong. You see, and that's what it is. You you always thought that you was you, you that, that something was missing, and that's why is that is because you were, you you were gravitating but above the root shock. Tuned in to the hottest radio network on the planet, the new Evolution Radio Network. Don't even think about changing the station. You're listening to The Bottom Line with your host, Joey L. Joey. Blackout. A lot of haters said I couldn't do it, couldn't move it, as if my music wasn't part of their whole influence. Meantime, I'm trying to get money like I'm Jewish. In this life, you get two choices, win or lose it. Now I'm up to back, my whole runs be back to back. A real nigga, I'm just trying to get my grind on. Make a hundred million forever, get my shine on. The mind state of a millionaire, so let's be clear. It's shot doctrine on your mind, I can smell fear. B3, that's all me, best believe. Chillin' with my best niggas down in Belize I got a button in the bad bitch, stress relief We get to work, even so jobs to Steve Nosey bitch, you can go and get the hell on I see it, you got a Donnie Brasco in your circle Be careful, cause you're close homeboys to mercy We're talking real money, I'm talking revolution Execution, Bill Gates mixed with two new Translucent, blowing something exclusive Conclusion, black house money music Talking real money, I'm talking revolution Bill Gates mixed with Dewey New Translucent Blowing something exclusive Conclusion Black House Money Music 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 It's rare to give it to you illustrated Beforehand, sit amongst the congregation uh, Bear witness to murder and its premeditation yeah. At their heads like Arab Segregation, separate from all the hate and currency, concentration equals contemplating. Alternate ways to get what it is 
money elevation. So catch me in the stars, what's the constellation? The leaders think it's bars like a crossfire. We're talking real money, I'm talking revolution. Execution, Bill Gates mixing to his new translucent. Blowing something exclusive. Conclusion, black house money music. Talking real money, I'm talking revolution. Execution, Bill Gates mixing to his new translucent. Blowing something exclusive. Conclusion, black house money music. We like mobsters. Sitting at the round table. Hey, B3, be the team, we got our own label. Fish. The whole team strong like we lifting barbells. We a corporation and a cartel. Yeah. I can't see my zenith, I'm far from my prime. I ain't looking at the blimp, but the world's mine. World's KC's finest, New York state of mind. Rap kingpin when it comes to the rhymes. A strike of my pen is a twirl of a wand. Now zero flow, click firm full of dawn. I call shots like I'm Escobar. We step out, they need shades just to see who we are. We the black rising stars that give you revolutionary black panther bars. Listen, the nuisance, the problem that no one could solve. I exert powers in 48 laws. We're talking real money, I'm talking revolution. Execution, Bill Gates mixing to his new translucent. Blowing something exclusive. Conclusion, black house money music. Talking real money, I'm talking revolution. Execution, Bill Gates mixing to his new translucent. Blowing something exclusive. Conclusion. Black House Money Music. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Joey Bounce L. Bay. Why not? What's happening? Today is the 9th of September. I want to welcome you to the show. And you're sitting right here on the bottom line, right here on the New Evolution Radio Network. How y'all feeling tonight? What's happening? Because of that, there we go. All right, all right, all right. All right, so peace to the gods and welcome to the show. I got a great show lined up for you tonight. You know, I've been real heavy into uh, research these last, I don't know, five, six days. I've had a lot going on, trying to finish up nationality packets for people and working on setting up the seminar. we got a seminar coming up, so make sure that you in the area you come out. It's going to be the 29th of September. We're going to be in Miami. It's going to be at the JW Marriott in Brickell. Okay. And that's going to be the 29th of September. You can get your tickets at makemorecommerce.com. I have a link up, uh, hopefully by tomorrow, waiting on that flyer. You can always get your tickets at the door. Okay. Reserve your seat. It is a one-day seminar. We're going to go over all new information. You might even hit some passports, so, so you, you want to be there. Okay. So tonight... You know, I, and it's funny because I've been working on all of these different things. And, you know, personally, I, I had the chance to start working on my own procedures. Because, you know, doing the job that we do, I talk about Jonah, Akeem, myself, specifically us, because we all do the same work. But doing this work that we do, um, we, we don't get a lot of time for ourselves. So, 
I was able to start working on my on my passport, and you know, it, it presented a lot of questions in my mind to me. You know, about this whole citizenship versus non-citizenship and us being nationals. And, and, you know, what's so interesting is that there's so much information, right? As the courts will call it, there's a preponderance of evidence that shows us exactly who we are. And I'm talking about those people who call themselves African-Americans. There's a preponderance of evidence in their records, and I'm talking about congressional records that prove who we are. Right? Lays it out for us. So, I think what's really interesting is that if we take the time to go through these records, we will find our remedy. And we're going to look at that tonight because I had the chance to go through this court case and I thought it was an interesting court case because in the court case, judge, <laughs> this judge was quite upset at what was happening with the 14th Amendment. I'm going to read the case to you tonight because you'll find it as interesting as I do, hopefully. Because I think we pretty much all have an understanding that the 14th Amendment was unconstitutionally ratified. Okay? Didn't have three-fourths of the House. Okay? They unseated a whole bunch of people. Now, a little-known fact that a lot of people don't know is that most of the senators in the House that they unseated or who weren't there were kidnapped their kids. And they were black. You don't have to believe me. Go look it up. Right? So, the 14th, and if you read the Ben Tillman letter, because I can pull it up, the Ben Tillman letter, he specifically said, matter of fact, I, I, I want to read his words verbatim. Let me, let me pull it up. Because we're going to read this word verbatim. I want y'all to hear exactly what he said. All right. This is, um, and, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to preface some of this because a lot, this is, it's, it's long, but this is not our topic tonight. But this is important to understand. So let me read this. This is from the Congressional Record, okay? <coughs> March 23rd, 1990. Excuse me, 1900. Speech before the U.S. Senate, Senator Benjamin Pitchfork Tillman defended the actions of white constituents who had murdered several black citizens of his home state. Tillman blamed the violence on the hot-headedness of Southern blacks and on the misguided efforts of Republicans during the Reconstruction era after the Civil War to put neck to put black excuse me to put white necks under black heels. He also defended violence against black men claiming that Southern whites would not submit to gratifying his lust on our wives and daughters without lynching him, an evocation of the deeply sexualized racist fantasies of Southern whites. Okay? Now, I'm going to skip down because I want to go to some important parts of it. Okay? Now, it says, 
It says, we, we did not disenfranchise the Negroes until 1895, okay? So, you know, disenfranchisement means that they took away your right to vote. So if you was just getting out of slavery, how did you have the right to vote? I'm, so you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so but let me keep going, right? Because this is what this is where it gets interesting. He says further. Then we had a constitutional convention convened, which took the matter up calmly, deliberately, and avowedly, with the purpose of disenfranchising as many of them as we could under the Fourteenth and the Fifteenth Amendment. We adopted the educational qualification. As the only means left to us And the Negro is as contented as And as prosperous Excuse me the Negro, the Negro, I read that correctly The Negro is as contented And as prosperous and as well protected In South Carolina Today As in any state of the Union South of the Potomac He is not meddling With politics For he found that the more he meddled with them The worse off he got and as to his rights, I will not discuss them now. We of the South have never recognized the right of the Negro to govern the white man. We wouldn't, and we never will. We have never believed him to be equal to the white man, and we will not submit to him gratifying his lust on our wives and daughters without lynching him. Okay? So I want you to understand that I'm reading this to you because he's speaking specifically about how they disenfranchised us and then took up the 13th and the 14th Amendment. Excuse me, the 14th and the 15th Amendment. Okay. So, understand that the 14th Amendment was, number one, it was never constitutionally ratified. So, it really doesn't pertain to you or me, right? And number two, not only was it not constitutionally ratified, but it effectively did what they call it naturalized you. Remember Dred Scott. Remember Dred Scott told him he could never be a citizen of the United States because he was a uh, 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 um, descendant of a slave? Yeah. Right? Alright, now let me read something to y'all because this is interesting. I'm gonna pull it up here. Give me a second. Alright, let's see if I got the right document here. Now, you know, I, I found a document. And when you decide to come back into the empire of Morocco, do you know they allow you to bring 10 people with you into the empire? Okay. And we'll go into that at some point. But you have to you have to nationalize. Extremely important. And we're going to see that tonight in this case that we're going to read. Okay. But I want to read this to you. This is coming. This is a congressional record. Okay. And this is how, this is what it reads, 1906. Okay. Mr. Phillips, and this is on the subject of Morocco. Mr. Phillips, 
to Ruth, Secretary of State, August 3rd, 1906. There are, strictly speaking, no Moroccan laws relating to citizenship of Moorish subjects in Morocco. Now, now remember, Morocco was established in 1956 as a corporation, the Morocco you know today. So the Morocco we're talking about, the empire of Morocco, is in the land known as Al Morocco. Or America Now There are strictly speaking No Moroccan laws Relating to citizenship of Moorish subjects in Morocco The fundamental laws of this Non-Christian country Are based entirely upon the Islamic code No parts of which treat of the subject Of citizenship There are however Numerous treaties and conventions between the various Christian countries and the Moorish Empire, by means of which citizenship in this country is defined. But, as I understand from the above acknowledged instruction, that it is not the desire of the department to call for a report upon such laws. We don't want to talk about it. I will therefore confine these remarks to general conditions existing which may possibly be of some use in connection with the information desired. Now, number one, citizenship in Morocco may be said to be governed by the laws pertaining to the same in other countries, with the exception that all persons residing in Morocco who cannot prove foreign citizenship or protection are considered, if so, jury, as Moorish subjects. That means you don't have protection of a government. Number two, Moorish subjects lost their nationality only by becoming naturalized in or protected by another country, having a treaty relation with the Moorish Empire. Now, let me just ask y'all a question. What's the shit y'all been hearing about for years? The Treaty of Peace and Friendship. Treaty of Algiers. Now, it was established by the Convention of Madrid, concluded July the 3rd, 1880, as follows. That any subject of Morocco who has been naturalized in a foreign country, that means you was born in the United States. Hold on. Let's, let's just go back. Before we continue, let's go and look at the 14th Amendment. And let's read the first sentence in the 14th Amendment. He's born or naturalized in the United States. All subject to the jurisdiction thereof. So let's go back to the congressional record. And it says that any subject of Morocco who's been naturalized in a foreign country, oh, so so you was a subject of the Moroccan Empire, but they naturalized you and took you out of your nationality. Who shall return to Morocco shall having remained for a length of time equal to that which shall have been regularly necessary for him to obtain such naturalization, choose between entire submission to the laws of the empire and the obligation to quit Morocco, unless it shall be uh, proved that his naturalization in a foreign country was obtained with the consent of the government of Morocco. See, you have the option of going back into the government of 
Morocco, the Empire of Morocco, and submitted to the laws of Morocco. I found the laws, by the way. I, I got them. This is why I was telling you, you could bring 10 people to freedom with you. You know, Harry Tubman said, I could have freed more slaves if they had known they were slaves. You understand? So foreign nationalization heretofore acquired by subjects of Morocco, according to the the rules established by the laws of each country shall be continued to beat them as regards to all effects without any restriction. Okay? Congressional record. So I want you to understand that they understand who you are. They know. Do they want to admit it? Not really. It, it is a for our government. It, it would be a financial burden to let all of the niggas go. Be a problem. Not for us, for them. Because the subjects have made us subjects. I heard this this uh, analogy, and I'll give it to you all, and it may help you out, right? Um, and you may have heard this before. And the analogy is that black people, African Americans, are like sardines, right? The sardines swim around in the in the pool of of, of fish, and there might be thousands of them. And before they're captured, they're they're not sardines. I forget what they call it, but they're not sardines before they captured them. They're just fish. But then when they get captured, they become a sardine because they become captured. Right, and so they lose their name, and they just become a sardine. Could could have been ten types of fish, but when they captured, they become sardines. Right, you understand that under occupation was was trying to convey about occupation. Right, we under occupation. You yeah, your shit's been snatched, but he he didn't show you the laws. Now, I did agree with y'all, just like that chick that uh. Korea, whatever her name was, they got killed. She wasn't doing things correctly. You you trying to argue with them in the public. Why? You're under the 14th Amendment. Okay, so we're going to look at this tonight. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into this court case, all right? So I'm going to say peace to the guys. The call lines is wide open. Call in number if you want to holler at me. It's 347-989-0194. Chat is also open live. We'll be right back after these messages. Keep it locked. Keep it locked. You're tuned in to the hottest radio network on the planet. The new Evolution Radio Network. Welcome to NaturalistHerbs.com Treat yourself to the luxury of nature. Coming soon, 100% natural shea butter, natural moisturizer, just for the skin. Come get a health reading and find out exactly what your body is missing. Then check out the herbal elixirs that will get your body back to its optimal level. 
While you're at naturalherbs.com, get your fill of any one of the natural herbal elixir teas. They have from 1 to 10 to target specific organs and areas of your temple. For your blood, lungs and respiratory system, male and female organs, digestive tract, skin purification, chakras, rejuvenation of brain cells, respiratory system, bone and muscle detox. Experience the power of healing at naturalherbs.com. Get your organic Irish sea moss at naturalherbs.com. Get the most out of your body from naturalherbs.com. You have to fight the constant attacks being waged against your temple. Free shipping on orders $25 or more. While you're at it, go over to MakeMoreCommerce.com and check out the packages they have to provide you with remedy. That's M-A-K-E-M-O-O-R-C-O-M-M-E-R-C-E.com. Go check it out right now. NaturalHerbs.com Given what most Americans believe, the next statement may be more shocking than any previous. The fact is, the United States is not a country, but a corporation contractually created by the Constitution. Your state is a country, per the law, and your original citizenship is of that country. Our founders instituted themselves to be first and foremost citizens of their respective states, As of 1787, those states already had formed a union, and they created the Constitution for the purpose of perfecting that union in forming a national government. They did not intend that the new nation have any jurisdiction or powers over the states or their citizens that were not specifically enumerated in the Constitution. They stated this point quite clearly in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17 of the Constitution. They granted the United States exclusive legislation in all cases whatsoever over such district not exceeding 10 miles square as may become the seat of the government of the United States, our District of Columbia, and to exercise authority over all places purchased by the consent of the states. And that is all. The framers further secured the rights of the people with the Ninth and Tenth Amendments in the Bill of Rights. In the Ninth, they established that The enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. And in the Tenth, they made clear that the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively, or to the people. The only way the federal government can have any jurisdiction beyond these constitutional clauses is by written permission or contract. Which leads us to another piece of the puzzle, the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, ratified in 1868 following the Civil War. As barbaric as it may sound today, the black slaves prior to the conclusion of the Civil War were legally considered to be property with none of the rights or privileges of free-born people, only duties. The money interests took advantage of America's desire to free the slaves and found a way to use the swiftly adopted post-war constitutional amendments to enslave all 
of the people. The deceit is in the wording of both the 13th and 14th Amendments. You will note that the 13th Amendment provides that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude shall exist within the United States. But why the emphasis on involuntary servitude? Isn't it the same thing as slavery? Sure it is. But they had to mention the concept of involuntary servitude because they wished to retain another type of slavery, voluntary servitude. Voluntary servitude is an ancient and established concept. It was the way serfs became subjects to their lords during feudal times in England and other European countries. It was a way for free men to earn a living at a time when all property was held by a select few, and thus anyone who wanted to farm and support their family had first to agree to be subject to a lord of the land. Our forefathers hated this concept and designed our Constitution to exclude titles of nobility, making all Americans sovereign. The 14th Amendment turned the intention of the founders on its ear by making voluntary servitude a requirement for former slaves to gain the rights already guaranteed to free-born United States citizens. When the slaves were released from their involuntary servitude following the war, their status was changed from that of being property to that of being a person. But being a person still entitled them to none of the rights associated with citizenship. So the 14th Amendment ostensibly was written to provide the former slaves with the same constitutional rights of freeborn American citizens, but only if they agreed first to become subject to the jurisdiction of the corporate United States, making oneself paramountly, that is, first subject to the jurisdiction of the laws of the United States, however, limits access to parts of the Bill of Rights, as we'll explain in a moment. But first remember, anyone who voluntarily subjects himself to the laws or jurisdiction of another is, in every way, obligated to abide by the terms of any contracts or laws established by whomever establishes the rules of the contract. In simple terms, this meant that the former slaves became subjects first to the United States and secondly to the state in which they lived. They had no sovereignty whatsoever. This status had never existed in the United States prior to that time. The 14th Amendment created a new class of citizenship in the United States, a second-class citizenship. Up until 1868, every American was a paramount citizen of their state, and by virtue of that, also a citizen of the United States, with full individual sovereignty as guaranteed by Amendments 9 and 10 in the Bill of Rights. But so-called naturalized citizens, or 14th Amendment citizens, are paramountly subject to all laws of the United States, and, having no status as freeborn citizens, have no access at all to the unenumerated rights retained for the people by Articles 9 and 10 of the Bill of Rights. That's because, in order to get any rights at all, they had to subject themselves to the jurisdiction of the corporate United States, which left them no unenumerated rights. The only rights they had were those specifically written into the Constitution. The sad tragedy of America today is that all U.S. citizens, regardless of race, are now 14th Amendment slaves due to contracts with the government of the United States through Social Security, birth certificates, driving licenses, citizenship statements, tax forms, and many other documents.
The true paramount citizenship that all Americans deserve is that of their respective state, which is a sovereign citizenship. Such status would exempt them from federal and state income taxes, as well as property and inheritance taxes. This sovereign citizenship was the status held by our forefathers. Now, if you're still thinking that the U.S. government needs to have a central bank and collect income tax or it will collapse, think again. Over two-thirds of the federal government's income is derived from sources other than income tax. There is even evidence suggesting that none of your income tax is used by the government. Fees, excise taxes, tariffs, sales taxes, and other forms of income have easily supported the U.S. budget in the past and could easily support it now. We have done without a national bank for large stretches of our history, and the U.S. Treasury is perfectly capable of printing and managing a money supply. In fact, the only constitutionally sanctioned currency is backed by gold or other precious metals. This is a far more stable form of currency and is the type of money the Treasury was designed to handle. The government was doing so well collecting money under these original laws that it had amassed a huge surplus by the time this cartoon was penned a hundred years later in 1887, when there still was no income tax collected at all. Up to this point, we have shown you how the money interests have, one, established the Federal Reserve System, and two, exploited a second class of citizenship created by the 14th Amendment for other purposes. And we have mentioned a few names involved in the creation of the Fed. But there are other organizations working for our economic enslavement as well, along with other extremely rich and powerful international bankers. Those who support the Fed have created a global movement to centralize economic power in various puppet organizations that preach peace and stability through some variation of socialism, but act aggressively to draw nations into a web of foreign debt and servitude to their agenda. The United Nations, the World Monetary Fund, and the Council on Foreign Relations are all committed to an agenda of world domination through manipulation of economic power. The Council on Foreign Relations openly admits to being a private club, yet it is the primary recruiting post in both international banking and the federal government of the United States. Richard Nixon, Nelson Rockefeller, John Foster Dulles, Dean Rusk, Alger Hiss, Robert S. McNamara, and every president since FDR, with the exception of John Kennedy, have been members of this exclusive club where super financiers and your elected representatives can mix freely and plan the next step in the consolidation of power in a new world order. Don't even think about changing the station. You're listening to The Bottom Line with your host, Joey L. And then we got goals that we reach or don't reach. And that is what you're up against leaving here. First are your relatives. God love them. Allah love them, Buddha love them. And then your friends, 
than just general guilt, society, and then you're feared. You're afraid. You're afraid of making a mistake. And this is what you'll relate to me. See, I would think that when I list in your weekly report what scared you, you ought to be able to put a lot of shit down. But you put, no, nothing. I'm cool. I'm cool. Nothing scared me. Which isn't true. If you can't pick up the phone, there's a reason. Especially since you have the templates, the scripts, and you've got everything. The only thing, and I've asked this, you'd like me to dial the phone for you. Can you get past the first gatekeeper, Mr. Pena? I'm going to show you how to do that. Can you get past the second gatekeeper, Mr. Pena? I'm going to show you how to do that. In some of the big, big hitters, as my Japanese um, mentees would say, big fucking hitter, got big fucking hitter this week. Have three gatekeepers. Now I'm going to show you how to do that. But you got to pick up the mother... Now, some of you, don't pick up... You have a thing in your ear, you know? Thing in your ear. When I used to run a boiler room back in the 70s, they, were, uh, they call them call centers now. But back in my day, they were boiler rooms. Well, I have 200 guys out there and gals, and I used to sit up on a desk, elevated from about this high off the ground, and I used to, t you know, masking tape, that gray masking tape that you can fix shit with, masking tape. I used, to, I used to ask them, what hand do you wipe your ass with? And they'd tell me. Then I'd tape that hand, the phone to it. Tape it. And if I didn't see that motherfucker glistening from the lights, I was on him like stink on shit. Like a super, you know, like a uh, Marvel movies superhero. Why aren't you making a call, moron? We, closed, we were closing motherfuckers. We were closing motherfuckers. I didn't ask if we made any sales today. How many motherfucking sales did we make? Because I only knew closing 94.6%. And I cried about the 5.4% the fuckers that got away. And they had a big board with my, my uh, records on. For the guys, the mooches in the boardroom. You used to have to ask permission to go to the toilet. Permission. And the reason why, why did I wrap it around the hand they wiped their ass with? Because you could disconnect the phone and sneak off. I know how to sell. Believe me. I know how to close. I'm a closing motherfucker. I don't know anything but clothes. It's about expectations, and my expectations are high. And at the bottom of your weekly report, you're going to have the world's records for every fucking thing you do for the next 12 months. You get tired of looking at that goddamn thing. How in the fuck did that asshole do that in 20 days? Is you going to ask you? You're, you're telling him you're not sharing anything. You're not telling the old lady, he's called the old lady, that you haven't kicked to the curb yet. That's your wife. You haven't kicked you. So you haven't, you're not going to ask the old lady because you're going to say, Jesus Christ, I must be a real cunt like Pena says. Here, I'm in the 17th day and this fucking asshole did it in 20 days. I must be a worthless piece of shit. I think a stiff drink and a good fuck would kill me. Now, some of you guys are going to put in your reports, well, I don't drink, Mr. Pena. 
You know what I'm going to say? You probably don't fuck either. You, you, maybe you're going to say to me in your report, I don't drink, Mr. Pena. So, you know, a stiff drink and a good fuck could kill most of the snake fights. So your excuse already is, I don't drink. So I don't have to be a good fuck. You got a reason for everything. And we got the Google fuckers here. They know, I mean, shit, I, I am happy you gave me that information, though. Okay. We don't Google anymore. <laughs> That's enough. Okay, because I've asked a lot of guys and nobody, okay, and I don't, you know, and I'm not going to go uh, search. I don't give a shit that much, but I am happy you gave it to me. Okay. I did learn something from one of the kids. It's rare, but it does happen. So hope does spring eternal. Hope does spring eternal. Okay, but, I mean, does anybody, no, I'm not going to ask you if you can relate to this, because I know you can. I know you can. You've never probably thought of it this way. You have, because you've seen this slide before. But...
Ah, peace to the gods. I think that um, my mic has been off. Peace to the guys. I can't hear you, Joy. Your mic must be muted. How's that? Is that better? Can you hear me now? Okay, yeah, I hear you now. Man. Yeah, you was like that for about 15 minutes. Uh, I apologize, y'all. I've been sitting here talking, and I didn't realize that that they muted my mic. I didn't even touch the mic. I I apologize. I know I was going... I was going in. I apologize, y'all. I lost a bunch of people, so I wonder why niggas was dropping off. I'm like, yo, I'm dropping some shit right now. <laughs> yeah, man. Man. Fuck, I hate when they do that to me, bro. That's big. I lost 20 minutes. Right. I got to start it over. All right. I'm going to come back to you, guys. All right, peace. All right, peace. My man said the chickens have come home to roost. Yeah, I I seen the um the comment earlier about the eagle. Y'all listen, let me tell y'all something about the eagle, man. And, and and I think a lot of people need to understand this. This is a um I guess a quote, if you will. The quote is he who hoots with the owls at night cannot soar with the eagles at dawn. Don't be a fucking owl, my nigga. So, I guess without further ado, I'm going to jump back into this. Um, Man, I was going in. Boy, they be fucking with my mics. I apologize, y'all. I'm sorry. We're going to start this over. Because I got a lot of information to drop. All right. So this case that we're reading is Diet versus Turner, 20 Utah, 1968, all right? Now, the plaintiff, Mr. Diet, is confined in the state prison of the state of Utah as a result of a plea of guilty entered to a charge of issuing a check against insufficient funds with the intent to defraud, okay? Now, he filed a petition for a writ of habeas corpus in the federal district court. He was denied. Thereafter, he filed an amended petition in the same court. At the time of of denying this amended petition, the judge wrote a memorandum decision in which he indicated a disposition to release the petitioner from prison. But he thought he could only do so after the state remedies had been exhausted. All right? So I want to go into this because this is really interesting because the... um, Eagles do eat owls. You ain't never lied. Um, so, you know, this is really interesting because the, the judge in this case is, is going to break down this 14th Amendment. So let's look at what he has to say. So accordingly, the amended petition for writ of habeas corpus must be, and it's hereby denied without prejudice to the filing of a further petition. At such time, the plaintiff may have exhausted his state remedies upon specific claim herein discussed. So what's interesting is that he the judge is going to give him a remedy, but he's not going to grant it. But I want to read this because um, 
There's a lot of remedies the judge put in here, but let's look at it. He further said, it is clear from the foregoing authority that the plaintiff had a constitutional right to be represented by counsel before the state district court at the time of his plea of guilty. And the facts appearing of record do not establish waiver of that right as a matter of law. So whether an understanding, intelligent, and voluntary waiver is shown by a preponderance of evidence, that's it. We talk about that all the time, right? Calls for a judgment on the facts on which there is now no record determination by state authority, which is controlling upon this court. Now, the judge is getting ready to eat into the federal court. Let's look at what he has to say. We feel that our decision in this matter should not be subject to reversal by inferior courts of the federal system. However, it is rather obvious that such a proceeding is likely to occur unless we turn the prisoner loose upon society. While we deplore such a situation, as is now foisted upon the state by various rulings of the United States Supreme Court and acts of Congress based on such rulings, yet we want it understood that we do not think the particular Utah federal district judge in any manner is to blame. So now it's the before they get in his ass and destroy his opinion. They want to make it clear that they don't think he's a bad guy, right? He acts under the direction of the Supreme Court of the United States and must faithfully carry out the law as he believes the court would have to do him, have him to do. We personally know him to be one of the finest of men, an excellent lawyer and a good judge. What we have to say hereafter is not meant as any reflection upon him in any manner whatsoever. Now, the situation presents an opportunity to review the constitutional provisions in order to determine if any rights of this defendant have been violated. We first direct our attention to the Sixth Amendment of the Constitution of the United States, which so far as material provides, in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and a public trial and to have the assistance of counsel for his defense. Emphasis added. Now, it does not say he shall have counsel. It only says he shall have the right to have the assistance of counsel for his defense, and the right to have counsel does not justify a court enforcing a lawyer upon an accused who does not want one. Now, to understand this amendment, one must look to the situation which prevailed at the time of the adoption of the first ten amendments. In England, defendant in a misdemeanor case had the right to have counsel with him in court. A felony charge being initiated by the Crown was looked upon as a different matter. And one accused of felony was not permitted to contest with the Crown by any means of a lawyer. In fact, it was not until 1836 that a defendant accused of a felony in England was permitted the right to have counsel in court. It was the fear of the state that the newly created federal entity, the federal government, might attempt to follow the crown in refusing a defendant the right to have counsel, which caused this amendment to be written in the so-called Bill of Rights. This is simply a limitation upon the federal government and is now wise was supposed to be applicable to the state. In fact, the Tenth Amendment was adopted to make sure that the federal entity, the government, did not take into itself any powers not specifically granted to it. See, and what's interesting is these judges understand 
They know. But let's keep going. The power is not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, or or reserved to the states respectively, or to the people. Now, for over 140 years, more than 70 justices of the Supreme Court consistently held that the first 10 amendments to the Constitution applied as a limitation to the federal government, only and not in any manner to the states. And for 70 years following the so-called adoption of the 14th Amendment, some 35 justices from every corner of the nation have held that the 14th Amendment did not make the first 10 amendments applicable to the states. Some of those justices have helped to frame the original Constitution and the first 10 amendments and had worked to secure the adoption thereof. Others have participated in the war between the states and were acquainted at first hand with the purposes intended to be accomplished by the 14th Amendment. All of these interpreted the Constitution, including the amendments, with knowledge and wisdom born of intimacy with the problems of which had called forth the documents in the first place. Now, the United States Supreme Court, as at present constituted, has departed from the Constitution as it has been interpreted from its inception and has followed the urging of, of the urgings of social reformers and foisting upon this nation laws which even Congress could not constitutionally pass. Y'all hear that? It has amended the Constitution in a manner unknown to the document itself. While it takes three-fourths of the states of the Union to change the Constitution legally, yet as few as five men who have never been elected to the office can by judicial fiat accomplish a change just as radical as as could three-fourths of the states of this nation. So as a result of these recent holdings of that court, the sovereignty of the states is practically abolished. And while free and independent states are now in effect and purpose merely closely, closely as supervised units in the federal system. Y'all hear that? Your state is a supervised unit under the federal system. In other words, your state is a 14th Amendment citizen. Same shit Jonah's been telling y'all. It's right in this court case. The judge just told you. I'll read it again. The United States Supreme Court at a present, excuse me, as at present constituted. Excuse me, I had lunch a little bit ago, y'all. Mama came through. Brought me some good food. Eating good. All right. United States Supreme Court, at a pre- as at present constituted, has departed from the Constitution as it has been interpreted from the inception. Start over. The United States Supreme Court, as at present constituted, has departed from the Constitution as it has been interpreted from its inception and has followed the urgings of social reformers and forcing upon this nation, which even Congress could not constitutionally pass, laws, which they couldn't pass. They're talking about your ex post facto. It has amended the Constitution in a manner unknown to the document itself. While it takes three-fourths of the states of the Union to change the Constitution legally, 
Yet as few as five men who have never been elected to the office can by judicial fiat accomplish a change just as radical as could three-fourths of the states of this nation. And as a result of the recent holdings of that court, he's talking about the Supreme Court, the sovereignty of the states is practically abolished. And while free and independent states are now in effect and purpose merely closely as supervised units in the federal system. We do not believe that justices of once free and independent states, once free and independent states, should surrender their constitutional powers without being heard from. We would betray the trust of our people if we sat supinely by and permitted the great bulk of our powers to be taken over by the federal courts without at least stating reasons why it should, it should not be so. By attempting to save the dual relationship which has heretofore existed between the state and the federal authority, and which is clearly set out in the Constitution, we think we act in the best interest of our country. We feel like galley slaves. Now, this is interesting because now the judge is saying they feel like slaves. Listen to this. We feel like galley slaves chained to our oars by a power from which we cannot free ourselves. But like slaves of old, we think we must cry out when we see the boat heading into the maelstrom directly ahead of us. And by doing so, we hope the master of the craft will heed the call and avert the dangers which confront us all. (laughs) But by raising our voices in protest, like the galley slaves of old, expect to be lashed for doing so. Now he's saying we expect to have some 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 problems to for speaking our minds and, and putting this on the record. We are confident that we will not be struck by ninety percent of the people of this nation who long for the return to the days when the Constitution was a document plain enough to be understood by all who read it the meaning of which was the set, which was set firmly like a jewel in the matrix of common sense and wise judicial decisions. We shall not complain if those who berate us belong to the small group who refuse to take an oath that they will not overthrow this government by force. See that? Now they know. See, they know there's a secret government, federal government. When we bear our legal backs to receive the verbal lashes, we will try to be brave. And should the great court of these United States decide that in our thinking we have committed error, then we shall indeed feel honored. But we will then be placed upon an equal footing with all those great justices who at this late date are also said to have been in error for so many years. Look at that. The judge is telling you, they can't do shit about the 14th Amendment. This is why every time you go into court, you've got problems. Unless you tell them you're not part of it. they got to treat you like you're part of their system. And, and the judge is telling you our hands are tied. We feel like slaves. All we can do is, is, is say something and hope that y'all listen. He's talking to the federal government. In addition to what we have said about the meaning of the federal constitution, okay? He didn't say the state constitution. 
He's talking about the corporate federal constitution. We are disturbed in the attitude of the criminal element in our society since the federal courts have arrogated unto themselves the powers and duties which rightfully belong to the state court. It is a daily occurrence when some known burglar or thief louts a police officer and threatens to get his badge and threatens the trial judge with having taken him before the, the judge of the federal court. Okay. Now, for many years, Utah has been at the very head of our state in the union in the matter of rehabilitation of prisoners. Our efforts have been directed towards teaching the wayfaring man to cease to do evil and learn to do good. We have 20 trial judges. Probation. In all of our 29 counties, some of which are sparsely inhabited, I like that word, we have the services of trained men who are instrumental in securing employment for the defendants of giving them on-the-job training. And now they're just going into some basics, okay? Let me keep going. Now, the records of the adult probation and parole board show that some 63% of all defendants who are either found guilty or who plead guilty are placed on probation. And that number, 75%, are faithful to their probationary obligations. Those records further show that more hardened criminals who are first committed to prison and then placed on parole, over 62% keep the faith with their trust. Always the welfare of the man is the principal objective in the attempt to make useful citizens out of our prisoners. We have an accredited high school within the prison walls from which one may graduate and receive a high school diploma, recognized by all colleges on a basis of interest. Trades are taught to inmates, example, welding, painting, carpentry, upholstery, auto mechanics, yada, 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 yada. The prime prerequisite toward a good relationship between a prisoner and his rehabilitation is his acknowledgement and acceptance of the fact that he has done wrong and a realization on his part that society is his benefactor trying to improve his lot so that he can become a useful citizen. It is difficult to supervise a man who is looking for loopholes through which he may escape through the results of his criminal tendencies. And each time he is let out on a technicality, he believes the court is on his side. So he does not have to conform to any standard except that which he sets for himself. Now, a constant stream of writs of habeas corpus flows from the prison daily, complaining about the lack of beef, steak, and pie and other frivolous matters. Suits are filed against judges who, in the performance of their duties, sentence criminals to prison. Okay. Now he's going into some other things about the case. Okay. He's going to go back to the 14th Amendment for a few reasons. Now, the Board of Pardons have been, in liberal, have been liberal in placing men on parole who give promise to reform. But they do this only because they let it be understood that misbehavior on the prisoner's part will result in termination of the trial parole, holding to the effect that parole can not be revoked without a full hearing. But the state-appointed counsel will, will uh, simply cause the board to be more reluctant to release the prisoner. The decision of the United States courts have, in fact, invited and caused prisoners to look for technicalities of how to, quote, get out of it, end quote, or beat the rat, end quote. The time was when a lawyer could counsel his client to plead guilty and receive supervision and training so that it might be, might be a better citizen when he paid his debt to society. 
Such advice came from an honest lawyer who thought more of the future of the defendant than they did of getting a guilty man off. Right. No longer can an attorney safely do that. For to do so would likely result in a release of the prisoner on a habeas corpus upon the ground that the lawyer was incompetent and had not put the state as to much expense as possible. It has been initiated, or excuse me, it has been in, intimidated that a rich man can hire a loophole lawyer. And it is therefore a denial of due process to fail to furnish a, a man, a, a poor man, a loophole. Apologize, y'all. There's um, some of these words on here are cut off. Okay, now, the answer seems to be that the court should make an example of loophole lawyers where they may be found if there may be any at all. If courts would direct attention to seeing that innocent men are not found guilty or allowed to plead guilty rather than trying to find imaginary legal technicalities which allow the guilty to escape punishment, the stature of the courts and of the lawyers would rise immensely in the eyes of the public. Now, in regard to the 14th Amendment, which the present Supreme Court of the United States has, by decision, chosen the basis for invading the rights and prerogatives of the sovereign state, it is appropriate to look at the means and methods by which the amendment was foisted upon the nation in times of emotional stress. We have no desire at this time to have the 14th Amendment declared unconstitutional. In fact, we are asked not to do that. We merely want to show what type of a horse that the court has to ride in, has to ride in order to justify its usurpation of the prerogative of the state. They're trying to tell you that the federal government then put them in the jail. So it is commonly not, it is, unless you use the Constitution, right? It is common knowledge that any assumption of power will always attract a certain following. They're talking about your government. And if no resistance is offered to this show of strength, then the asserted powers are accepted without question. It is therefore our purpose to give a ray of hope to all those who believe that the states are capable of deciding for themselves whether prayers shall be permitted in schools, whether thereby uh, cameral legislators may be composed of members elected pursuant to their own state constitutional standards, and even whether a prisoner who says he does not want counsel shall be turned loose because the court did not tell him he could have one for free. The method of amending the federal constitution is prohibited for in Article 5 of the original document. No other method will accomplish this purpose. The article provides as follows. The Congress, whenever two-thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, shall propose amendments to this constitution or on the application of the legislature of two-thirds of the several states shall call a convention for proposing amendments which in either case shall be valid to all intents and all purposes as part of this constitution. And when ratified by the legislature of three-fourths of the several states or by the convention in three-fourths thereof, as the one or the other mode of ratification may be proposed by the Congress. He's telling you that they didn't pass the 14th Amendment legally. They didn't have three-fourths of the House. You got to have three-fourths of the House. Three-fourths, not two-thirds. I think somebody put that in there. Three-fourths. 
Now, the Civil War had to be fought to determine whether the Union was indissoluble. That means they wanted to know whether the Union could be broken or not. Okay? And whether any state could secede or withdraw therefrom. The issue was settled first on the field of battles by force of arms and the second pronouncement of the highest court of the land. In the case of state of Te- in the case in the state uh, in the case of state of Texas versus White, it was claimed that Texas, having seceded from the Union and served her relationship with the majority of the states of the Union, and having her ordinance of secession attempted to throw off her allegiance to the Constitution of the United States, had thus disabled herself from prosecuting a suit in federal court. When therefore Texas became one of the United States, she entered into a dissoluble relation. All of the obligations of the perpetual union and all of the guarantees of the Republican government of the union attached at once to the state. The act which consummated her admission into the union was something more than a compact. It was the incorporation of a new member in the political body. See, they incorporated your state right there, state of. It was final. The union between Texas and other states was as complete as perpetual and as indissoluble as the union between the original states. There was no place for reconsideration or revocation except through revolution or through consent of the states. Considered, therefore, as transactions, see, transactions, financial transactions, under the Constitution. The ordinance of secession adopted by the convention and ratified by a majority of citizens of Texas and all of the acts of her legislature intended to give effect to the ordinance were absolutely null. So he just told you that they didn't even go to the citizens and get the citizens' permission. That's really whose permission they were supposed to get first. They were utterly without operation in law. The obligation of the state as a member of the union and of every citizen of the state as a citizen of the United States remained perfect and unimpaired. It certainly followed that the state did not cease to be a state nor her citizens to be citizens of the union. If this were otherwise, the state must have become foreign and her citizens foreigners. The war must have ceased to be a war for the suppression of rebellion. It must have become a war for conquest of subjugation. Our conclusion, therefore, is that Texas continued to be a state and a state of the union, notwithstanding the transactions to which we have referred. And this conclusion, in our judgment, is not in conflict with any act or declaration of any department of national government, but entirely in accordance with the whole series of such acts and declarations since our first outbreak of the rebellion. Basically, he's saying they want this, and he's telling He's basically saying we still retain our sovereignty in so many words. It is necessary to review the historical background of how the 14th Amendment came to be a part of our federal constitution. Now, General Lee surrendered his army on April 9th, 1865, and General Johnson surrendered his 17 days later. Within a period of less than six weeks thereafter, not one Confederate soldier was bearing arms. But by June 30th, 1865, the Confederate states were all resorted 
by presidential proclamation to their proper positions as states and the indissoluble union and practically all citizens thereof have been granted amnesty. Immediately thereafter, each of these seceded states functioned as regular states in the union with both state and federal courts in full operation. Remember, there was um, actually, I think it was like was it, uh, 27 states. We're going to get into it though. President Lincoln had declared the freedom of the state of the slaves as a war measure. But when the war ended, the effect of the proclamation was ended. And so it was necessary to propose and to ratify the 13th Amendment in order to ensure the freedom of the slaves. The 11 southern states, having taken their rightful and necessary place in the indestructible union, proceeded to determine whether to ratify or reject the proposed 13th Amendment. In order to become part of the Constitution, it was necessary that the proposed amendment be ratified by 27 of the 36 states. Among those 27 states ratifying the 13th Amendment were 10 from the South. Louisiana, Tennessee, Arkansas, South Carolina, Alabama, North Carolina, Georgia, Mississippi, Florida, and Texas. Them is all the Southern states. Those were all your black congressmen. Those are the ones who didn't want to go into the Union. Now, when the 39th Congress assembled on December the 5th, 1865, the senators and representatives from the 25 northern states voted to deny seats in both houses of Congress to anyone elected from 11 southern states. The full complement of the senators from 36 states of the Union was 72, and the full membership in the House was 240. So since it only requires a majority vote, Article 1, Section 5 of the Constitution, to refuse a seat in Congress, only 50 senators and 182 congressmen from the North were seated. All of the 22 senators and 58 representatives from the southern states were denied seats. Joint Resolution Number 48, proposing the 14th Amendment, was a matter of great concern to the Congress and the people of the nation. And in order to, uh, in order to have this proposed amendment submitted, to 36 states for ratification, it was necessary. Damn. You show sure right, bro. Thank you for correcting me. I'm going to humbly uh, say that I was wrong. It is two thirds. I said three fourths, did not. Two thirds. Okay. Thank you, brother. Two thirds. Two thirds of the house. What you got to have. And I'll, I'll read it again so that it can be clear so that the mistake is not made because I want everybody to know and let's make sure that we are correct. When the 39th Congress assembled, the senators and representatives from the 25 northern states voted to deny seats in both the Congress to anyone elected from the 11 southern states. The full complement of the senators from the 36 states of the Union was 72, and the membership in the House was 240. Since it requires only a majority vote, to refuse the seat in Congress, only 50 senators and 182 congressmen from the North were seated. All of the 22 senators and 58 representatives from the states were denied seats. The 14th Amendment was a matter of a great concern. Okay? In order to have this proposed amendment submitted, 36 states for ratification, it was necessary that two-thirds of the House concur. A count of noses showed that 33 senators were favorable to the measure, and 33 was a far cry from two-thirds of 72. 
and lacked one of being two-thirds of the 50 seated senators. I know if you wasn't good at math in school, all that two-thirds, three-fourths shit is confusing. I get it. Now, while it requires only a majority of votes to refuse a seat to a senator, it requires two-thirds a majority to unseat a member once he is seated. Okay, we've heard about John P. Stockton, a white guy in this um, video talked about him. Okay, And John P. Stockton was seated on December the 5th, 1865, as one of the senators from New Jersey. He was outspoken in his opposition to the resolution proposing the 14th Amendment. The leadership in the Senate, not having control of two-thirds of the seated, senators voted to refuse Stockton upon the ground that he received only a polarity and not a majority of the votes of the New Jersey legislators. It was the law of New Jersey and several other states that the polarity vote was sufficient for election. Besides, the senator had already been seated. Nevertheless, the seat was refused, and the 33 favorable votes thus became the, the required two-thirds of the 49 members of the Senate. Now, in the House of Representatives, it would require 122 votes to be two-thirds of 182 members seated. Only 120 voted for the proposed amendment. But because of the 30 absent uh, votes, it was declared to have been passed by two-thirds of the House, so they did it illegally. So whether it requires two-thirds of the full membership of both houses to propose an amendment to the Constitution or only two-thirds of those seated or two-thirds of those voting is a question which it would seem could only be determined by the United States Supreme Court. However, it is perhaps not so important for the reason that the amendment is only proposed by Congress. It must be ratified by three-fourths of the states in the union before it becomes part of the Constitution. The method of securing the passage through Congress is set out above, as it throws some light on the means to obtain ratification by the states thereafter. So the judge just explained how they passed it illegally. Now, Nebraska had been admitted into the union. And so the Secretary of the State is transmitting the proposed amendment, announced that the ratification by 28 states would be needed before the amendment would become part of the Constitution. So since there were at the time 37 states in the union, a rejection by 10 states would thus defeat the proposal. This judge was going in, wasn't it? Now, by March the 17th, 1867, the proposed amendment had been ratified by 17 states and rejected by 10, with California voting to take no action thereon, which was the equivalent, the equivalent to rejection. Thus, the proposal was defeated. One of the ratifying states, Oregon, had ratified by a membership wherein two legislators were subsequently held not to be duly elected. And after the contest, the duly elected members of the legislature of Oregon rejected the proposed amendment as well. However, the rejection came after the amendment was declared passed. Despite the fact that the southern states had been functioning peacefully for two years and had been, and had been counted to secure ratification of the 13th Amendment, Congress passed the Reconstruction Act, which provided for the military occupation of 10 of the 11 southern states. So, so when the black states said, no, nah, we're, we're not down with y'all shit, they went in by force. This was the whole bayonet thing. This was the whole Ben Tillman thing I was talking about in the beginning. Reconstruction Act. Y'all not down with this shit? Fine. You niggas 
are going to have y'all shit invaded by our military and we're going to put you on your under occupation. That's what they said. Now, it included Tennessee from military, it excluded Tennessee from military occupation. And one must suspect it was because Tennessee had ratified the 14th Amendment on July the 7th, 1866. Now, the act further disenfranchised practically all white voters. Y'all know white at that time meant black, right? Don't believe me? Go pull out a Black's Law Dictionary. It's right there. Right? Remember, the entitlement of the disenfranchises, right? What, when have you ever known white people to be disenfranchised? The act further disenfranchised practically all white voters and provided that no senator or congressman from the occupied state could be seated in Congress until a new constitution was adopted by each state, which would be approved by Congress. And further provided that each of the 10 states must ratify the proposed 14th Amendment. So now they're forcing them to ratify the 14th Amendment or they're going to be under military occupation. And the 14th Amendment must become part of the Constitution of the United States before the military occupancy would cease and the states would be allowed to have seats in Congress. See, they forced this shit on the states. It was forced. By the time the Reconstruction Act had been declared to be law, three more states had ratified the proposed 14th Amendment. And two, Louisiana and Delaware, had rejected it. Then Maryland withdrew its prior ratification and rejected the, the 14th Amendment. Ohio followed suit and, and withdrew its ratification and also did New Jersey and California, which earlier had voted not to pass upon the proposal, now voted to reject the amendment. Thus, 16 of the 37 states have rejected the 14th Amendment. By uh, Suprius, non-representative government, seven of the southern states which had therefore rejected the proposed amendment under the, under the duress of military occupation and of being denied representation in Congress, did attempt to ratify the proposed 14th Amendment. The Secretary of the State only on July the 20th, 1868, issued his proclamation wherein he stated that it was his duty under the law to cause amendments to be published and certified as part of the Constitution when he received official notice that they had been adopted pursuant to the Constitution. Thereafter, his certificate contained the following languages. See, so as soon as he got it, even they didn't even give him a chance to rescind, and he printed this. This is what he said. Where is neither the act just quoted from, nor any law, other law, expressly or by conclusive implication, authorities of the Secretary of the, of the State Determine and decide doubtful questions as to the authenticity of the organization of the state legislators or as to the power of any state legislator to recall a previous act or resolution of ratification of any amendment posed to the Constitution. And whereas it appears from official documents on file in this department that the amendment to the Constitution of the United States proposed as foresaid has been ratified by the legislator of the state, naming 23, including New Jersey, Ohio, and Oregon. Right, remember, they they rejected it. They came out, but they still named them. And whereas it further appears that documents on file in the department that the amendment to the Constitution of the United States proposed as foresaid has also been ratified by the newly constituted, uh, constituted, excuse me, and newly established bodies avowing themselves to talk about the states now becoming corporations 
avowing themselves to be and acting as the legislators, respectively, of the states of Arkansas, Florida, North Carolina, Louisiana, South Carolina, and Alabama. And whereas it further appears from the official documents on file in this department that the legislator of the states, first above enumerated to wit Ohio and New Jersey, have since passed resolutions, respectively, withdrawing the consent of each of the states, the aforesaid mentioned amendment. And where it is deemed a matter of doubt and uncertainty, which such resolutions are not irregular, invalid, and therefore ineffectual with withdrawing the consent of the states this whole time, they knew that the, state, that the states were rejecting it, it wasn't properly ratified, and they still printed this thing. Now, Congress was not satisfied with the proclamation as issued on the next day passed a concurrent resolution wherein it was resolved that the said 14th Amendment article is hereby declared to be part of, part of the Constitution of the United States and it shall be duly promulgated as by such the Secretary of State. And after setting forth the current resolution of both houses in Congress, then certify the amendment has become valid to all intents and purposes as part of the Constitution. Now, the Constitution of the United States is silent as to who would decide whether a proposed amendment has or has not been passed according to formal provisions of Article 5. The Supreme Court of the United States is the ultimate authority on the meaning of the Constitution and has never hesitated in a proper case to declare an act of Congress unconstitutional except when purported to amend the Constitution. The duty of the Secretary of State was ministerial, to wit, to count, and to determine when three-fourths of the states had ratified the proposed amendment. He just told me, he said, your job was easy as hell, you didn't do it right. He could not determine that a state, once having rejected a proposed amendment, could therefore approve it, nor could he determine that a state, once having ratified the proposed, uh, could thereafter reject it. The court and Congress should determine, uh, excuse me, the court and not Congress to determine such matters. Consistency would seem to require that a vote, once cast, would be final or would be not final, whether the vote was for ratification or rejection. And in order to have 27 states ratify the 14th Amendment, it was necessary to count those states which had first rejected and then under the duress of military occupation had ratified. And then also count the states which initially ratified but subsequently rejected the proposal. To leave such dishonest counting to a fractional part of Congress is dangerous in the extreme. What it is to prevent any political party having control of both houses of Congress from refusing to seat the opposition and then without more passing a joint resolution to the effect that Congress is amended. And that the duty of the administrator of the General Service Administration to proclaim the adoption. Would the Supreme Court of the United States still say the problem was political and refuse to determine the constitutional standards had been met? How can it be conceived in the mind of anyone that a combination of powerful states can by force of arms deny another state a right to have representation in Congress until it has ratified an amendment which it which its people oppose. The 14th Amendment was adopted by means almost as bad 
as that suggested is above. These are, listen, this is a judge saying this, y'all. I hope this, like, this has to be so clear to y'all. Okay? Now, we have spoken in the hope that the Supreme Court of the United States may treat, may retreat from, from some of its recent decisions affecting the rights of sovereign states to determine for itself what is proper procedure in its own courts as affects as it affects its own citizens. However, we realize that because of that court's superior power, we must pay homage to it, even though we disagree with it. And so now we discuss the merits of this case. This is the same as the sword of Democles did not hang over our heads. See that? Democles. Now, we have only one question to decide. The defendant below, the plaintiff, in the petition, knowingly, intelligently, and voluntarily waived counsel. The court, do you understand that the charge carries with it a penalty of imprisonment in the Utah prison? Defendant, yes, sir. The court, do you have a prior record? No, sir. The court, do you have an attorney? No, sir. Do you desire to be represented by counsel? No, sir. Do you understand that you are entitled to be represented by counsel? Yes. If you desire to waive counsel, is it your desire to waive counsel? Yes, sir. Are you free on bail? Yes. The record, let the record show that the defendant has waived the right to counsel. The statute allows an additional time before you are required to enter a plea, or you may waive that time to enter a plea at this time. What is your desire? I will waive. You will waive your time? You will enter a plea now? Yes. To the charge of issuing a check, a check against insufficient funds, how do you plead? Guilty or not guilty? I plead guilty. And as a request of probationary, have you conferred with an attorney? No. Why do you think you are why do you think you are entitled to probation? Well, I don't know why. It's just my wishes. Probation. This is the conversation between the the judge and, and the, the guy that's locked up in the prison. Okay. So at this time of arraignment, the court asked the defendant why he wrote the check, and the defendant answered, Well, just didn't have any money and I wrote it. That's all there is to it. <laughs> He also said he had written other checks which had not been paid for. The prosecuting attorney had six of the worthless checks which had been turned over by the sheriff merchants which had been defrauded. The defendant was was not shown to be illiterate or feeble-minded. He was guilty and knew it and also knew the state could prove it. He did not want to enter the trial or a lawyer. One would have to stretch his imagination to find this defendant did want a lawyer. So, so much notoriety had been given to the right of counsel on part of the defendant's charge of criminal acts that it's difficult to believe that any grown man who's smart enough to defend to defraud seven merchants into cashing worthless checks would know about it. It must be remembered, however, that a judgment cannot be lightly set aside by collateral attack or even by habeas corpus. When collaterally attacked, the judgment of a court carries with it presumption of regularity, where a defendant without counsel acquires in a trial resulting in his conviction or later seeks relief by extraordinary remedy of the habeas corpus. The burden of proof rests upon him to establish that he did not competently and intelligently waive his constitutional right to counsel. Remember, they asked him, did you waive your right to counsel? In the case of Cost versus Bowles, the prisoner had been convicted in the state court and brought a habeas corpus in the federal court. He testified that the trial court asked him if he wanted counsel but did not understand this to mean that if he could not afford an attorney, he would not be appointed 
uh, warrant. In dismissing the prisoner's petition, the court said that the court feels that the the court feels that the, the question of whether a defendant wants counsel fairly implies the availability of the assistance of the court in obtaining counsel if he wish. Thus, the court feels that the state has borne its initial burden of proving cost affirmative acquiescence in proceeding with counsel. Okay? So thus, the burden of proof Okay, I, I was. There's another one right before this. Let's read this one. Involved in an attempt by a prisoner to get out of prison on a writ of habeas, cor- habeas corpus on the grounds that he did not understand and intelligently waive his right to counsel, the Supreme Court of New Mexico held that the proceedings under the post-conviction remedies were civil in nature and therefore governed by the rules of civil procedure. This is uh, state of state versus Gilbert. Okay? This is all of the case law the judge is citing. Now let's read some. Let's get to the final opinion because it's just long as hell. When we see no reason to start talking about who is going to pay a lawyer until somebody wants one. In fact, it should be remembered that all courts can do is appoint a lawyer to work for a client. It is not the province of the judge to make him do it for free. That could be taking property without due process of law. The defendant who commits a crime is entitled to have counsel, but he is not entitled to a free ride at the expense of the public whom he has just been praying. The, wid- the widow and the orphan whose breadwinner has been murdered in cold blood should not be taxed to help the guilty defendant escape the consequence of his evil deed. He at least should pay the lawyer for the services rendered if he ever becomes able to do so. The lawyer under his oath will perform just as faithfully on credit as he will for cash. For a court to say that the lawyer will not be faithful to his client has not paid the fees in advance, but is a reflection upon the standards of ethics of that particular court. Now, I'm going to stop there. Because I, I, this is a very long case, and I think we got to the point here. All right? And I'm going to be honest with you. The judge spent more time on this case on the 14th Amendment than he did talking about the guy's damn case. He mentioned the dude's case Three times. He basically told him, look, you got to exhaust all your remedies, and then you can do your habeas corpus, and then we'll release your ass. Oh, and they also want, wanted you to know that for more detailed information on how the 14th Amendment was forced upon the nation, see Articles 11, 484, and 28. I'm going to pull that up. I guess that, it's a statute. I guess, I suppose. All right. So, I've read a lot tonight. I've read more than I usually read. But I thought this was important that y'all hear what this judge had to say. Not my words, his words. You know, it's interesting that everybody wants to say, oh, you know, you guys are or uh, or sovereign citizens and yada yada, and I and, and listen, I'm gonna tell you that's an oxymoron. There's no such thing as a sovereign and a citizen. You can't be sovereign and be a citizen, right? Not possible. And if you just take the time to read these laws, to read these court cases, I'm not I'm not like them court case reading ass hosts who just gonna sit there and read the case to you and not explain this shit to you. 
You have to understand that the 14th Amendment was set up for subject citizens. They made the state's 14th Amendment first, and then by virtue of being born in the state, in a hospital, an agency of the state, you became a ward of the state. There's only one way about it is. And you, and you, you got to stop being a 14th Amendment. You got to come up out of it. If nothing else, you got to start limiting your minimum contact. It was set up to be taxed. That's why they give you a social. It was set up so that they can come in and do as they please. My jaw hurts. I've been reading too much tonight. So two one five six one seven. You're on the bottom line. What's happening? Two one five six one seven. Seven five seven nine six five. Peace to the God. Six one nine nine four six. Peace to the God. Joey, I know you can hear me. What up? I can. Hello. Peace to the God. What's happening? You can hear me? Yep. All right. Well, well. Peace to the God, Joey. Your boy, what's good? I'm listening to the show that you're saw good. How you doing, bro? I'm chilling, man. Working, you know. Listening to the show anytime. You know how that be. You know. Nah, I'm just. I was yeah, just tuning in. I'm listening to the show. I like the case you was going over. I'm gonna go back and look at it myself. You know what I mean? It was some interesting stuff. Yeah, you gotta check it out. Yeah, I mean this judge just went in. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. And he didn't hold back at all. Nah, he he said it straight up. Only thing, only thing he didn't say. The only thing he didn't say was, was was directly was that it made the, the people United States citizens as well. But what's interesting is that that kind of goes without saying because the, yep. the states are very much um, tied into the people. So, mm-hmm. you know, he inferred that. And he also inferred that it tied their hands. What, what year was that case? case was in the 60s. 19, let me see, I'll, I'll give it to you again. This, this, is, this case is diet. Oh, hold on. Diet versus Turner. It was a Utah case. 1968. Yeah, see, see, you know I read cases like this because... What it does is it allows us to see that we're not the only ones who see the problem, number one. True. That people inside the system are seeing the problem. Okay, because it ties their hands too. They can't even make the the fair judicial decisions that they're supposed to be able to make. Yep. And 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 it's and it's good for people to see that because they always think it's just the brothers on this shit. People have been on this before us. 
and after us. You know, man, white people been on this thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah, they've been everybody's trying, trying to get free. So people need to understand it and look at it as that. Like Jonah said, freedom. You know, health and freedom is first, and a lot of people have been trying to get at this freedom. We're just actually taking a hold of it on hindsight and new evolution, and, you know, and bringing it out to our people. You know what I mean? Exactly. Good shit. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I'm, yeah. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you something about cases like this. When you read them, when mm-hmm. you got to read a case like this more than once, you got to read it a couple times to really get clarity on it. But when you read a case like this, man, it it, it will empower you because then you yeah. you begin to understand that listen, this really was forced upon me. Did you hear me? Kept saying this was foisted upon us. It was foisted upon us. Yep. He said it twice. Yep. And it's a court case, so you could you could actually use it too. Actually, uh, that's right. You can use it as evidence in the case. All right. Yeah, absolutely yeah, right. Yeah. Now, Joey, um, one more thing. I've been trying to hit you up, bro. I don't know if you got any of my messages. I've been. I've, I don't know what. Yeah, I've been. No, I've been a little bit off the. I've been a little bit off the grid, man. Um. Okay. You can try to reach. What you reach out? Reach out to me right tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I've been a little bit okay. off the grid, but you, you got my number. Just, just call me. Call me tomorrow. Um, and we can wrap, man. I don't I know what number. The last couple weeks. I don't know mm-hmm. what number. I know I called the number and it went to your beat, to one of your uh, your your beats. Yeah, call that. So, yeah, okay, down. cool. So I got the right one. And call check your email, bro. Yep. I mean, I sent you that case like forever ago, man. I mean, I emails I get. You gotta let me. What you gotta oh, do? Get call me. Tell me you sending it, and then I'll look at it right then. Because what happens is I got I got shit all the time. Yeah, dog. You can send me shit all the time, bro. I got email full of stuff. I literally be having to go through and check exactly. email because there's so many that come in. But um, I got you. Just give me a call. Me up. All right, I'm gonna call you tomorrow. You got to call you tomorrow. I'm looking out for your number. All right. All right. All right. All right. Peace to the God. All right. Peace to the God. My man said, uh, "Liberty." Liberty is not freedom, and freedom is not sovereignty. Well, let's look at the word liberty. Let's just look at the word liberty. Let's let's do that because we ain't gonna do that. Let's look at the definition of the word liberty. You know, liberty is in the Fourteenth Amendment, isn't it? Liberty, state of being free within a society from oppressive restrictions imposed by authority on one's way of life, behavior, or political views. Independence, freedom, autonomy, sovereignty, self-government. Self-rule, self-determination, human rights, yeah, or liberty. So, you know, it's kind of interesting because 14th Amendment is uh, going against the 14th Amendment. 14th Amendment says you're supposed to have liberty. Give me liberty. How do you have liberty if they force you to be a 14th Amendment citizen? All right, 404-484, Cabinet. Four, 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 eight, four. All right. It looks like it's all the callers tonight. I think I'm, I must have talked y'all into a scooper tonight. Y'all know my site, makemorecommerce.com. I will be in Miami coming up uh, the 29th. 
nationality seminar, Jonah Bay and myself. Make sure y'all come out. We're going to be going over a lot of new things you don't want to miss. All right, we got another nine minutes left. Call lines is open. We'll take a quick break. And uh, if y'all want to get in any last questions, this is the time. Other than that, I'm about it here. So we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Tune in every Monday from 10 a.m. to 12 to Awake with All Set on Evolution Radio, where the revolution is the evolution. Friday with Jonah Bay 
And uh, I hope y'all enjoy y'all week. Makemorecommerce.com. Y'all know where I catch me at. If I got business with you, make sure you reach out to me. If I haven't reached out to you. And uh, I'm going to say peace to the God. Tell on your square. Hey, everything be like off the top these days. Like these we days, I don't even know, know what track. a pad is these days, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck that hoe, cause she a net net. You ain't the one for me, baby. You ain't got shit I need, bitch. You want me to take my time with you? Or maybe I'm not your speed, bitch. Maybe I'm not your lead, bitch. You